0: Today on Bold Steps Weekend, Mark Jobe shows us how to be spiritually contagious.
1: I believe that when God begins to move, people start to view themselves as having something to give. Not just financially. They begin to say, I have something to give because God has given me something.
0: Welcome to Bold Steps Weekend with Mark Job, Senior Pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago and President of Moody Bible Institute, and I'm Wayne Shepherd. Well, today Mark continues a message on being spiritually contagious, allowing our faith to overflow into the lives of those around us. It's part of our series called Red Hot Faith, where we've been learning how to cultivate a passion for Christ that's strong enough to affect everything we do. If you're joining us late in our series, remember you can always find these messages and listen again online at boldstepsweekend.org. But right now, let's open up our Bibles to the book of Acts chapter 2 as we learn what it means to be spiritually contagious for the gospel. Here's Mark Job.
1: So they're learning what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And 3,000 of them come to Jerusalem. Many of them have to leave their own hometown, so they leave their jobs to live in Jerusalem. People are opening up their homes so they can stay. They're staying at people's homes. But there is a, such a culture of generosity that some people... Out of the believers are saying, hey, I'm opening my home. People can stay here. We need more money to feed people. I have a house in another village. I'm going to sell it and give all the proceeds and donations to help feed the rest of the church here that doesn't have something to eat. There is this culture of generosity that we're in it together. I believe that when God begins to move, people start to view themselves as having something to give. Not just financially, but they take on a mentality of generosity, of their love, of their compassion, of their gifts. They begin to say, I have something to give because God has given me something. I have a testimony to give. I have compassion to give. I have a talent to give. There becomes this, instead of I'm coming to get, there becomes this mentality, I'm coming to give. The church sees itself as a place that has been enriched by the power of God so they have a lot to give and minister to the people that are around them. That's a culture of generosity. When we first moved to this building about eight years ago, this building was way bigger than what we could afford and we paid $2 million to buy this building. 84,000 square foot building. And then we had to start putting a bunch of money into fixing it up. But our our vision when we came to this church was we wanted, we called it a building to bless. Not a building to meet in, but a building to bless. You know why we called it a building to Bless because the idea from the beginning was we're not just gonna come and meet in a building, we're gonna let the blessing of God and the presence of God overflow into our neighborhood and us being into our neighborhood is gonna create a blessing to all those neighbors around them, to all that community around them because we're in it to give, not just to get. If you know that God has filled you, then you know you have something to give. When the people of God feel full of the presence of God, then they become a giving people, a generous, an outreach people. That's why, oh, are there needs in Chicago? Yeah, there's needs in Chicago, but that's why we have 23 people in Queretaro, Mexico right now. Yeah, are there needs in this neighborhood? Oh, yeah, there's needs in this neighborhood. But, you know, out of this church, we've launched Oak Lawn. We've launched to Humble Park, to tri Taylor. We've launched in 19 other locations around the city of Chicago. Why? Because we believe we have something to give. There's a culture of generosity that begins to develop when you are on fire with God, you want to share your testimony. You want to share the word. You want to pray over people. You want to encourage people because you feel like, hey, I may not be the wealthiest person in the world and people may not look at me and think that I have a lot to give, but when God has filled me, I have a lot to offer to a lot of people. I believe that. So there's a culture of generosity. Number four, they cultivate strong, authentic relationships with other believers. Notice verse 46, it says, and every day, every day, yeah, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. What in the world is the temple courts? Well, if you've ever seen a picture or a reconstruction of the old temple, you'll realize that there. The, 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 and I've seen it in Jerusalem. The the temple had the inner courts where people went and they gathered, and it was part of the temple. And then there was the holy of holies. But around the perimeter of the temple were some courts where people could gather and meet and discuss scripture. And it it was like um, probably about the height of this ceiling here, uh, but with pillars and there was no walls to it. So it was like kind of a plaza, a plaza with a covering over it. And people would gather for meetings and to discuss scripture and to talk. Well, the early church gathered in the temple courts, thousands of them. They didn't have a building, so they gathered. Imagine every day they gathered. What did they do? To talk about scripture, to pray. A large gathering of people. People were learning about Jesus. But not only did they gather every day in the temple courts, but where else did they gather? They gathered in people's homes. It says, for every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So they gathered together in their large gathering, and then they met together in small homes. You know, there's something about being in someone's house that makes you feel like you know that person a little bit better, right? I mean, your house is your space. People walk in. They, they learn a lot about you, your pictures, family pictures, the magazines that you have, the kind of food that you eat. I mean, it's kind of your private space. What it says about the early church is the early church gathered in the large gathering, the larger gatherings like we have right here, but they also gathered in the small gatherings from house to house and they shared meals together and they prayed together and they were sincere and they opened up to each other. That's why we have a similar structure in our church. We have our Sunday gatherings, and there's about 5,000 of us that gather on Sunday at our 19 different locations. But then during the week, we have about 270 small groups. Some of them meet in homes, and some of them meet in classrooms, and some of of them meet in, in this auditorium. We break up into smaller groups here. Why do we do that? Well, we do that because we want you to be connected to a small group. Listen, if you've been attending this, uh, this service here, chances are if you just come to this large gathering, you stare at the back of someone's head. And so you don't really get to know them well, I and mean, you may talk to someone here and there in the hallway and so forth, but chances are that some of your relationships, you have acquaintances, but they're superficial, I believe that to really grow, the kind of way that God is calling you to grow, you need to get into people's lives. People need to know you. You need to know people. People need to know what to pray for. People need to be able to encourage you. You need to be able to speak into other people's lives. You need to be able to pray together, work together, correct, uh, journey together, understand how uh, how someone else is doing. You need to get into a small group. Amen. If you've never been in a small group so far, we're restarting all of our small groups churchwide in a couple of weeks. And you need to determine, I will become a part of a small group. Hey, there's some of you men here that say, you know, I I don't know, pastor. I don't know about the small group stuff. You know, I'm not like, I'm not really touchy feely. They're going to ask me how I'm doing. I'm going to have to talk about my motions. I don't want to go to a small group where, you know, all kind of hold hands and sing kumbaya. I don't know if I'm into that, pastor. Let me tell you. You come to a men's small group here, you're going to come to a men's small group full of men of God that are going to challenge you, push you on cause you to step up, step up to leading your household, step up to parenting, be a leader. They're going to confront, rebuke, challenge, push you on. And most of these men have been everywhere you've been and probably more and have a history to tell as well. They've just been saved, sanctified, cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ and trying to live godly in the world that they live in. Don't worry about that. The point that I'm making is that we all need other people in our lives. And so we have all kinds of small groups that happen throughout this week, uh, throughout the week, following the pattern of the early Testament church that gathered in large gatherings, but also gathered in small gatherings as well. And let me just say this about, Uh, about our church here, New Life, Uh, our gathering here at this church is larger than most people, most churches and most, what most people are accustomed to. And here's the thing about a larger church. You can get easily lost in the crowd unless you choose to plug into a small group. You know, you can come to this church and be anonymous. You want to get lost? I'm going to come and just get lost in the crowd, cut out early after things, show up a little bit late after service, then cut out early. And then you could say, I'm going to church. Let me tell you something. You can get lost in the crowd and try to hide, but you never can hide from God. And if you get serious about growing, you won't want to hide. You're not going to want to hide. You're going to want to plug in. You want to, you're going to want to grow. You're going to want people to know your name. You're going to want to know other people's names because that's the way we grow into contagious Christians. Number five, not only... Did they have habits that kept their heart on fire? They embraced an atmosphere of faith and expectation. They promote a culture of overflowing generosity. They cultivate strong, authentic relationship with other believers. But number five, they build a good report with the people from the outside that are seeking God. Verse 47 says, they were praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Daily. Every day there were people coming to Christ. Why? Because there was a church on fire. You know, when we first started, uh, we probably didn't see that, but over the last three to four years, we've averaged at least one person a day coming to Christ because we've baptized over 300 people every year. Last year, we baptized 585 people. And so, you know, you do the math, you break it down. And, you know, as a church, we're averaging almost every day someone coming to Christ. That's awesome, isn't it? People are coming to Christ. But let me tell you something about having a zeal for God and being a contagious, being contagious people. What I see from this is that they were praising God and enjoying favor with the people from the outside. You know why they were enjoying favor and God was adding to their number? Because the church cared about those around them. Let me tell you something about our vision at this church. Our vision at this church is we we don't want to just be a church that has people that have been believers for years, have well-worn Bibles and their lives all together because they've been following Jesus and they've, because their grandparents and their parents and their great, we don't, praise God for those people that that have a strong, solid background and have gotten saved when they were young in life. But you know what? We want everybody to know Jesus. We're not the kind of church that says, hey, let's bar the doors, close the windows, because maybe a pagan may come in and bring some of their nasty, dirty lifestyle in here. We're not looking out the window saying, oh, I hope no one comes.
0: And we'll get to the final half of today's message from Mark Job in just a minute. You're listening to Bold Steps Weekend. We want to remind you that if you ever miss these radio programs due to a busy day or a change in your schedule, you can always listen on your own time by going to our website, boldstepsweekend.org. Or if you enjoy listening to these Bible lessons when you're out taking a walk or running errands, be sure to subscribe to our Bold Steps Weekend podcast, and then you'll get these messages downloaded automatically to your phone or smart device. Just head over to your favorite podcast app and search for Bold Steps Weekend with Dr. Mark Job. And while you're there, be sure to subscribe and leave us a comment. Well, with that, let's get back into our message called Contagious People. Here again is Mark Job with more Bold Steps Weekend.
1: We're flinging the doors open, opening the windows and say, man, this is where you need to be. If you got an issue, if you're looking for Jesus, if you got problems, man, join us because God is at work in this place. Come on, come in. We're not afraid of your mess. Because every single person in this place was a mess until Jesus began to change them and cleanse them and purify them and turn them around. We're not afraid of your mess. So the early church, they had favor with all the people because they cared enough, the contagious people care enough for people around them. They care enough to learn what the needs are around. And we want to do that as a church. We want to understand the needs of our community and understand what God is doing or what needs to happen in this neighborhood more in our communities more and then meet those needs in Jesus' name. Let me tell you how it works. The way it works is don't expect that, you know, Pastor Mike or Pastor Mark or Pastor George are going to come up with all the ideas and do them. This is us as a church doing it together. Hello? If you come and say, Pastor, something needs to be done Something needs to be done about the graffiti in the neighborhood. Pastor, what are you going to do about it? Hey, don't come and tell me what I'm going to do about it. You need to come and say, Pastor, I have a burden to do something about the graffiti. I'm going to say, great. Let's talk about it. Pray about it. What are you going to do about it? Is that how it works? if we get hundreds and hundreds of people mobilized that care about our community and care about what's happening, then we roll up our sleeves in Jesus name and start doing things about things. We take initiative. We say, I'm going to go out and do this. We need to do something here over there. We, we do this in Jesus name together. We mobilize people into action. That's how it works, but we understand what the needs are out there, first of all. Secondly, we speak the language of the people. Because we need to to understand that every single Sunday, there are people that walk into this auditorium that are far from God, that had a hard time coming to church today because they felt uncomfortable because they're on church. And I'm sure there's people here today that you are here, and maybe you've never been to a Christian church before, Maybe it was a little awkward because you don't know what they're going to do in a Christian church. You don't know if they're going to have you stand up and quote a verse that you don't know or make you pray and you don't know how to pray, or you just just don't know because you haven't been around. If you are here and you've never been to a Christian church, man, I want to welcome you today and I want to say, I'm glad you're here. I'm really glad you're here. I really am that you had the courage to come to a place that you don't really understand how things work. And we wanna speak in a language that people understand and we wanna care enough not to be afraid to embrace people that are seeking God. Let me tell you, all of us are here because someone wasn't afraid to embrace us even when we had a lot of messes. You're here because someone cared enough to pray for you, believed enough to invite you, knew that God could do something in your life. And you need to pass that on. You say, well, pastor, I'm still not there. Well, you know what? If you wait till you're there, you'll be in the grave before you reach out to anybody else because we are never quite there. So we reach out to people from where we're at. My prayer is that we will be so personally on fire for God that it splashes over to uh, the way we live our life and when we go to work and our marriage and our parenting and our relationships, that we're on fire for God. Well, I want to make sure that when you come on Sunday morning, it's not just about you. I want to make sure that you're looking for people. I'm saying if I can reach out to them, I want to welcome, encourage, pray, minister, bless people because I know there's a lot of people that need Jesus just like I need Jesus. So however you got here, why you're here, I'm glad you're here because anytime you're exposed to the powerful presence of God, He's got the power to be able to change your life from the inside out. Yes, he does. He has the power to change your life from the inside out. And I want to challenge you as you've heard this message to embrace the fact that God has called you to be contagious. And I I realize that it's easy to get intimidated by a secular world that sometimes seems so antagonistic to faith. It can shut many of you down. It can cause us to not be as open about our faith. But I want to challenge you. The only way the world is going to hear is if you are open and honest, not obnoxious but open and honest about your love for God and what Jesus has done in your life. So I want to pray for you that God would give you a boldness and a new contagiousness as you go out to your workplace, to your family, to to restaurants, to a gas station, that God would empower you to be a contagious believer. Father, I pray for that person that has so much to give God, but they've been shut down. Uh, because of fear, because of uh, of fear of what people may think. God, I pray that you would give a new boldness, a new joy, a new excitement about opening up our mouths, about praying for people in spontaneous situations, about uh, sharing the seeds of the gospel, about engaging in gospel-saturated conversation, God— We pray that you would make us a contagious people, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen, and thank you for this message today, Mark. But let me ask listeners, how contagious are you? No matter how you came to hear this program today, no matter where you are in life, Jesus can change you. If you want to experience the love of Christ and follow him, Mark has prepared a video on our website you can watch right now and start taking your next steps of faith. Mark's video by going to boldstepsweekend.org and clicking the tab, My Next Step. Now, today's Bold Steps Weekend from Mark is titled Contagious People. And if you missed any part of our lesson or if you'd like to hear more, be sure to visit our website at boldstepsweekend.org. And as we continue into the month, we want to make sure you don't miss out on this month's bold action gift. To explain more about a very unique resource and why it's so relevant, here again is Mark.
1: Each day, America is marching further away from Christian values and core principles that built this country. And if we want to help steer the ship back in the right direction, shouting and raising our fist isn't the answer. People need to feel heard before they'll listen. And our culture needs healing before it can stop hurting. That's why Dr. Erwin Lutzer wrote a book called We Will Not Be Silent, where he challenges Christians to keep representing Christ despite the opposition with compassion, reason, and love. From issues of race and gender to the growing support of Marxism and socialism, Dr. Lutzer shows us how to reach beyond these divisive barriers and get to the heart of the person we're talking to. Our country is not beyond hope. Our neighbors are not our enemies. So make a choice today to overcome fear, anger, and stagnancy and to live boldly for Christ. Request your copy. We will not be silenced when you give a gift of any amount to support this ministry.
0: To give that gift today, call us at 866-535-5580. I'll give that again. It's 866-535-5580. Or give online at boldstepsweekend.org. You can also send your financial gift in the mail. Just address your envelope to boldstepsweekend.org. 820 North LaSalle Boulevard, Chicago, Illinois, 60610. And before we close today, I want to let you know that you can now find exclusive teachings and video messages from Mark over on our brand new YouTube channel. If you've ever had questions about what the Bible has to say on topics like dating, identity, and purpose, or you simply want to know what Mark actually looks like, be sure to get to YouTube and subscribe to the Bold Steps Radio channel. And that brings us to the end of today's program. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to come back next weekend when Mark begins a message called, How Bad Do You Want It? That's coming up next time on Bold Steps Weekend. Bold Steps Weekend is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.